Motofest listeners, welcome back to episode 199 of the Odafest podcast. I am joined by Nancy, <gasps> Dio, Yikes. and Angelo. And Jay. And wow. Jay. Can't forget Jay. And Jay. And Donkey. I forget Jay a lot. <laughs> and we have another Odafest podcast for you. We don't have anything to announce. But we have lots to talk about today because we do. there's been things that we've been wanting to put in the podcast and we haven't. There's been a lot of things that are happening, mm-hmm. some sad things. So I guess we could start quickly there because the voice of a generation has passed. Kevin Conroy, the voice behind Batman in just about every single Batman animated series, has unfortunately passed on. Mm-hmm. And... That's that's really sad. That's really unfortunate. I feel like Kevin Conroy is one of those voices that, like Jay said, that touched an entire generation. Uh, yeah. Our generation, certainly. If you are any fan of Batman, and to me, when I'm watching any kind of Batman media, whether it be the old Adam West TV show uh, or one of the newer, one of the newer... Uh, I can't remember his name, but the the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, you think of the actor. Christian Bale. Christian yes. Bale. You think of them as Batman. Right. Whereas when I remember Kevin Conroy's voice, I'm yet, I'm thinking, that is That's Batman. Just Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not Kevin For Conroy's sure. Batman. It's just Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman. Yeah. And we're and you know, like Kevin Conroy was not limited to just being like TV animated series Batman or like movies from the animated series. He was also the video games. Yeah. He was mm. the full scope essentially of anything that wasn't live action. I'm sure he probably even has a couple of like cameos. I'm sure they might have put him in as. Um, but like, you, you, there was always that consistency. Exactly. You know? Like, if you were watching Batman media, and uh, you know, as as enjoyable as some of the live action movies have been in the last like 10 years or so there's something that is so nice about voice acting because you know you are the character behind or you're the person behind the character and angelo is right you don't have to think about like oh will this actor do well like when the in the newest batman where there was like robert pattinson i really like that movie but a lot of people were like hinging on Will Robert Pattinson be the proper Batman? Didn't have to worry about that with the animated series. Also, the animated series was written really well. So yeah. and it wasn't just the animated series. You also had the Justice League series. You had Batman mm, Beyond, where yes. he played old Bruce Wayne. Yeah. There was mm. so oh, many Beyond, different dude. iterations of Batman oh. where Kevin Conroy was Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, was he was the rock of the series. He was yeah. the center of it, always. Yeah. And not to take away any of his other credits, you know, but there's something in your heart that is like, you associate it warmly with a core memory of being a nerd, essentially. And uh, unfortunately, he has had to pass, as we all may have to do one day. I, so We definitely sat down and watched the animated series when we heard the news. And yeah just it's it's exactly as i remember every cadence every tone it was i'm so sad 
It's very perfect. Yeah. Yes. But God help the next person <laughs> who wants to take on that. That mantle. is one heck of a legend to live up to. You've got big shoes to fill. I was about to say, you've got the world's biggest shoes. You better have massive feet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm not going to make a, a silly segue away from that. Instead, I'm just going to say it. Elon Musk is going Yonk as Batman. fast as possible, <laughs> as mm-hmm. fast as possible to squander his $44 billion purchase of Twitter. So and now much. everyone is like, oh my gosh, are we it, going back to impressive. Tumblr? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ryan Reynolds is going to Tumblr. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah everyone's like, "Are it's we going back funny. to Tumblr?" And I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. We're going back. We're going back." Some people never left. Yeah. That is some true. Some people never left. That's that true. is true. Some people never left. Even but through indeed, the Yahoo acquisition and everything. Indeed. That went with that. And the and the and the Great Purge. Yes. But uh, <laughs> the Great Purge that left. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so. It's been quite the implosion. I I it think has okay. Been. There's a lot to talk about there. I want to say maybe we should touch on all the bits, but I don't know how in depth we can go into because it could be the entire podcast. Exactly. It could it could take over the entire podcast with a summary of all the things that Elon Musk has done since taking over as the owner. Let's see. How many people did he let go? So the first thing he did, he let go, was it uh, 3,700 people? It was something like one-third of Twitter's workforce he wanted to get rid of. Imagine being a billionaire. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I know that you have to, you know, try to be... uh, Profitable? Profitable, yes. But imagine being one of the richest people in the world let alone maybe the richest and letting go 3700 people so so in contrast facebook just let go sorry meta just let go of 11,000 people but 11,000 people was only an eighth of the of the company's entire repertoire portfolio of Of people people. Mm -hmm. and then you have a third of an entire company let go here. I will say that Twitter is not the same scale of profitability as Meta is, though. No, like it's not, not at all. It's not even yeah. close. But and, and we, people, if you're on Twitter or like know enough about Twitter, Twitter has never really been profitable. Like they've never really not figured at all. out what makes Twitter go in terms Tick. of making money. Yeah. and that's and that can be tough. I get that. I just don't think that I. I don't think anyone thinks that it has been handled correctly with the new acquisition. Oh no, not at all. Let's yeah. let's let's continue going through the 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 rap sheet. Yes. So after firing a third of the company, uh, they then have to claw that back, being like, "Uh, we fired too many people. We need you guys to come back." Apparently, we fired key people that we actually need. To keep doing the changes that Mr. Musk wants to do. Indeed. Some of those people included uh, people who were responsible for making sure the community didn't go down spirals of vitriol and horrible, horrible criminal type uh, content. And Mm -hmm. those people were like the first to be let go. Indeed. Um, Additionally, many of the critical infrastructure engineers... Mm -hmm. um, were let go. People and couldn't change realized... their usernames for a people. Period. Exactly, like very basic features of the website started yeah. to decline. 
Um, one other change that Mr. Musk pushed through was that he wanted to change how verification works and have it be a subscription-based service mm-hmm. for it to be revenue generating, which mm-hmm. on the surface sounds like it makes sense, but in execution, it's uh, had some so, really interesting and very terrible flaws. It actually doesn't make sense even as a revenue generator. It it doesn't. It doesn't. There At was a very surface another level. podcast that I was uh, listening in on where they did some napkin math. And based on the number of users who don't want uh, the checkmark, who might want the checkmark, and given how many of them would likely actually pull the, the the trigger on buying it, they estimated around fifteen million dollars in revenue per month with the the, the Twitter blue check mark. Except fifteen million dollars is a lot of money, but against forty four billion, it's nothing. It's that's a drop in the bucket. Literally nothing. So on uh, like at a glance, it sounds like something that makes sense. In reality, it doesn't. Um, And it's also had some really funny consequences, one of them being that, of course, naturally, people started purchasing the check marks and start started impersonating people despite mm-hmm. you know Elon Musk's directive of you cannot impersonate people because you know But you can be a parody account. You can as be long a as you put parody. parody in your description. And that certainly won't backfire at all. Um, no. And in the case no. of one particular so company, uh, one of the a manuf- an insulin manufacturer, a, a parody account uh, impersonating them said that insulin is now free, and the tanked ensuing their stock price it tanked their stock. Ooh. Their initial losses were twenty two billion dollars. Yikes! They somehow recouped some of it to only lose 16 billion dollars. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Funny so prank. brands are escaping Twitter as fast as possible. Oh, yeah. absolutely. The yeah. people oh. paying Twitter's bills, the people advertising on Twitter are bailing. Yeah. They're escaping. I don't know if people really know how like advertising works in like a large corporate setting, but one of the things is that um, they do their uh, advertising fundraising revenue drive kind of thing way ahead. It's not, it's not, hey, this is 2023. Okay, let's see who's interested in investing in us uh, through sponsorship. No, it's like years long deals that are set like, you know, like, uh, like, you know, three years ahead of time, wherever it may be. Uh, With what's happened, Twitter basically got no major new sources of sponsorship revenue when they were trying to renew contracts or look for new contracts. People are like, if you're a large company, you're like, this is literally the plague for our brand. Do not it go, it do not pass go, do not give them the monies. Run, it is a it run, is. do not walk. Pretty much the only time I can ever think, you know, there are many times where let's say somebody controversial, uh, someone says something controversial and they start losing, you know, out on brand Sponsorships deals Sponsorships or like brand that. deals but and it, stuff. But you've yeah. never seen it at this scale. Well, now, where it's a mass exodus from yeah, a I was going to say, like, I guess there is one individual right now who's also seeing a mass exodus from their platform. <laughs> but without getting into that, it's like an individual versus like an entire major social media platform is, again, like the scale is way, way, way beyond. To put the scale in perspective, Twitter as a platform has become the de facto customer service 
for so many huge brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine, imagine being like, "Oh, American Airlines has has uh, wronged me in such a way," and then some blue checkmarked account that says American Airlines goes into your DMs and is like, "Hey, we can figure that out." But to find out your account information, to find out your ticket information, I need those wacky sixteen digits on the front of your mom's <laughs> plastic card. Uh, <laughs> It could be done, mm-hmm. and it it will be done. It probably has already. Sure. And I will say, like, it's tough to balance. Like, should you stay on the platform? I know that each of us are on Twitter. All got Twitter oh. accounts. I yeah, have thought about leaving it. I'm not gonna lie. At the same oh, yeah. time, several times. I'm also like I, I don't know about anyone else, but I don't really follow a lot of accounts. I actually don't have a lot of corporate. I literally I follow news accounts, mm-hmm. and I follow some friends. very general interest, and then friends. Yeah. But like I do I, not, yeah. I don't get into like the meme side of things. I don't get into the toxic political kind of things. I don't get into any of that. So mine's actually like if you looked at it, you'd be like. This is really clean, and there's not a reason to, for me to leave other than the association. And I'm like, I don't know. Or until the infrastructure literally collapses. Also yeah, true. waiting for that to happen. I'll be there until it's dead. One of my because... favorites. <laughs> because? Yeah. Just because? Well, one of my, one of my favorite uh, there's stories. things that I like there. One of my favorite stories coming out of this, going back to the whole takeover por- portion, was mm-hmm. at one point early on when... Elon was trying to figure out who was important to keep uh, in terms of like their devs. He did this he did this thing where it was like they're going to we're going to have a meeting in like half an hour or like something like that. We're going to have a meeting in a few hours oh, uh, no. today with the devs. And he's like in order for him to figure out who was important to the company at that time, he requested devs print out print out physically their pages code. of their code. <laughs> Yeah. Like that was going to be useful. <laughs> that sounded okay, that sounded like something somebody would have said to me in the nineties. Like in college. Yeah. That that sounded it sounds like, a, like it sounds like a teacher marking my like comp sci one oh one exam. Yeah. Well no, this sounded like an office space joke. Yeah, like a, then, it really does. Like like it, he it, was it's going it's so to amateur in the execution. Tesla engineers analyze the lines of code. And he also wanted to fire the people who did the fewest lines of code. Yes. Uh, pro tip for As any people length. out there. The best programmers in your company are the uh, most produce ones. negative lines of code. Exactly. Yeah. But no one actually thinks about it that way. They're like, yeah, but you're not affecting change. He was thinking of it like a, like a, from a hacker man perspective where it's like, yeah. you know, did they, it's like how many words per minute can you go for? The person who generates a bunch of stuff is the one who's doing things. Yeah, and exactly. The, and the, like, and the best if you part- want to hinge my employment on how fast I can type, I got you. I'm your star player. But yeah. man, none of, the, none of what I'm typing in monkey type is any value. Come on. And and somebody I had can the be gall. The monkey on the typewriter. Somebody had the guts to actually tell him at some point during this request that that's not relevant to how good someone can you know do development at writing work. code exactly. Yeah. So he told them to throw it away, even though like they were being obedient. And some people had printed out like fifty pages of code, <laughs> and they were like, God. "No, we don't need In that the anymore." In tiniest print. Oh, I, when God. I read that, like as somebody who has a very super, like out of 
all four of us on the podcast, I have the least amount of coding knowledge because I did it way back in like when I was 13, seeing if I was interested and I'm no longer <laughs> interested. I was like, <laughs> Valid. no, that doesn't make any sense at all. I'm just sitting here like, why would someone why waste don't... all those trees? <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. why don't I have $44 billion to waste? Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yes. It is some wild, wild stuff. So yeah. we, yes. we are just, we are all sitting in the dumpster enjoying, we're all sitting in the pot enjoying the water slowly boiling. And by very slowly, special. I mean quickly, very, yeah. very quickly boiling. Because apparently it is he a wonderful made it a speed hot tub. run, any percent, to, to just implode as much as possible. How it's to blow up Twitter your will life be savings. the next MySpace. Are, just a just a quick aside on this. I think we'll probably wrap this this topic up quickly here. But would you? Are you thinking of switching to anything else? No, not at all. Um, I haven't been seriously considering it. I know a bunch of people have started up Mastodon servers, yeah. and I'm not sure that's a rabbit hole I want to go down. If I get an Same. invite, that'd be cool. But yeah. I don't really want to. It's the same argument as having cloud-managed services. It's like, I have Netflix, or mm-hmm. I could rip all of my DVDs, put them on a server, and manage that server myself. Right. But then I have to put all the work into doing that, host an on-site server, da 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 Like, that's, that's the time, the sense. age-old argument of, do you want to manage this yourself? Do you want to do it yourself? Or do yeah, you, you can always want to let a service yeah. that You it. could be like, oh, do I want to manage my own email server? Like, there's so many things that you could say oh you could I do it, it. Mm. it's could the same for it. me where like could. i'm telling you like most of my feed is news and friends and, and yeah. so you're comfy same. yeah so and it's like i don't need to move it's the association but that's not really my fault that a billionaire yeah. decided to implode his own company <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i don't have a plan to move per se mm-hmm. um like at the very least I want to watch the infrastructure collapse, like from a technical <laughs> from a perspective. And perspective. Yeah. Yes, you know, there's much like, learning you know, to be had. There's much learning to be had there. Yeah. So I want to be there for that. But um, I am interested in checking out some of the other social media services that I've long ignored because, you know, I just. I don't want to add more social media to my life. I feel like I already have oh, like, yeah. way too I'm much. Like, I have enough. I have just enough, but and I don't. I understand. am curious about Mastodon. I mm-hmm. am vaguely curious. I know the Amino apps have kind of just still been sort of like quietly trudging along in the background. I have not heard of Amino since they were sponsoring YouTubers to just talk about them. Yeah, they're they're still like they're, five years they're, ago. They're quietly trudging along in the background. Um, if it was, what I'll say is if it's between reactivating my long deleted Tumblr account or trying out Amino apps, I would rather try out Amino apps. <laughs> but that being said, um, I'm not going back to Tumblr. You cannot take me there alive. I will not go. I swear there was I'm some holding kind you this of to like. This. There's recorded <laughs> evidence now. <Yeah>. Indeed. <laughs> I. One day we'll sit around and we'll listen to Big Sis Dio tell the story of when she was there. She was there when Twitter imploded. 
The last server there. of Twitter got turned off, and then we were we were left. With I dead was there when the last tube was I broken. I was there when MySpace died. <laughs> I was there when Google Plus died. That's the best. Oh, I was there, I was there when Facebook MySpace. died. I was there when Twitter died. Speaking of MySpace, you know, just like Tom from MySpace is just sitting back, going like, "I don't want any of this. I'm glad I got out." Smart He's like, man's. "I remember." He's like, "I remember this." Mm-hmm. Tom, you know? MySpace, Tom is the smartest, smartest uh, social media social media CEO. Yeah, ever, absolutely. ever. Did you know he, that he, he, he sold it and got out? out. He said, I got my bag. I'm leaving. You cannot drag me back into this hellhole mm-hmm. alive. I won't go. You can't even bring it to me, bring me into it dead. I'm gone. Bye. I would say the same things about Jack Dorsey, but no, Tom was my friend. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, Nancy. What were you saying? Did you know GeoCities is still alive? Oh, yes, I did. I, did, I do know this. But, I mean, <laughs> that's just a hosting service, and, right? Okay, you can't see it, but Angelo's face just now. Yeah. Wait, did it die and then come back? Because I specifically yes. remember GeoCities dying. It yes. did die, it, and now it's yes. back. All right, it doesn't there. count. It was revived. Uh, that's like yeah. saying Angel Fire still exists. God, don't say that. It hurts. Tripod. No. I remember Tripod. It hurts. Tripod was my first website. Oh, I want that back so bad. Oh, God. All right. Speaking All right. of things that are that are old, forgotten, being thrown away. But, but, but someone who is also actually successful <laughs> at what oh, they wanted okay. to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the flip side, Angelo. Ash Ketchum is literally... The Pokemon champion. I don't watch the Pokemons anymore. It's been a long time. But I have been, been scouring the internet for, for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet information because I've been, you know, the game's coming out soon. And as a result, I saw some like anime information. This is not like, this is very new, but this is not like a leak or some kind of inf- uh, uh, info to that. So, but recently, the Pokemon company um, running the anime side. They ran like a series of basically like the champion of champions tournament. All the big players were there that were like all considered to be like the top level trainers, including like the previous top level trainer champion guy. I think his name is Leon. And then there's like Cynthia and like uh, uh, Steven and um, Lance, like all those big, big Pokemon champions. All of the Elite Four? Not just like the Elite Four, but like the champions of the Elite Fours, of their respective Elite Fours. And Ash beat them all in this tournament of champions, and he is currently at the very top. He is number one. He is the very best. Like no No one one ever ever was. was. Exactly. And they might be, and there's rumors now that they might be retiring him from the being the no. main pro tag. So this is we're Our getting we're man. getting like you know we're sort of getting uh, uh, like the reverse uh, Kevin Conroy where they're like, you know, you've done your thing now now go away. Oh, we I don't want to play with you be anymore. Free, Ash. <laughs> it's fair. He he can, Ash he can has turn literally 11. been. <laughs> He's literally been trying to be the Pokemon champion for over 20 years. And he's won twice, technically. 
Um, that is true. He has. Because I think we talked about it that he became a main Pokemon champion before. Yeah, he made he became a main Elite Four champion, uh, maybe like a year and a half ago or so, and then before that he was sort of like a side uh, Elite Four champion where it wasn't like in the games, so people kind of didn't really consider him being a champion champion. But now he's you guys, the boy on top. Do you guys remember the Pokemon... I think it was like Pokemon Memories, uh, or Pokemon Red Memories, uh, OVA. Like you mean Origins? Four or five. Origins. That was like four or five years back, where it followed Red from Pokemon Red, yes. as opposed to Ash. Yes. I loved that. That was really good. That was. I feel was like they could take. do more of that. Mm-hmm. They could they could follow the trainers of the given game. True. It's going to be interesting because, like, right now this is a rumor that they're going to retire him, but there's, like, clues that people are, like, looking into where, the like, the episode title sort of really alludes to, like, the very first episode, and there's a lot of – just a lot of speculation about it. I kind of get it. I Like I said, I don't watch the anime. I haven't watched the anime since the original series, but, you know, like – for someone who otherwise doesn't really have a place in the video games and the video games are the number one thing, it's hard to justify Ash needing to be the center protagonist. It's like you don't follow him. He doesn't do anything else other than be in the anime at this point. As much as I love Ash, as much as I wanted to be Ash when I was like 10 years old, (laughs) For sure. As much as I wanted Ooh, to take my dang. baseball hat and spin it around and then be badass like he was. Exactly. The reality is at this point, it's like, it's probably a lot like writing for The Simpsons, where they feel pigeonholed by what the character is, that it's it's hard to explore the character any further. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. only way to add more to the story is by having new side characters who end up being more interesting than Ash. The only thing that I can say is that for an entire generation, for the the Gen 1-ers, Pikachu is basically the face of Pokemon. And I feel like that's (laughs) probably still true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's mostly still true, I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. And so if they replace Ash, they're probably not going to have a Pikachu either. Hmm. Which might, That'd I don't be, know. That'll be almost weirder than not having Ash because yeah. at the end of the day, like the humans are no part one cares of the about the humans. <laughs> yeah, but the Pokemon. Are is, is there an Ash Ketchum plushie out there? There's gotta be. But I mean, the 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 number of Ash Ketchum plushies to Pikachu plushies in the world, you would probably uh, drown in the Ash Ketchum plushies. But you would be like crushed into a black hole from the Pikachu plushies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fair absolute assessment. density. So I, th- I don't know. It, I think it was just very interesting. We'll see. It, it is definitely, if true, will be the end of a big era. The 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 Pikachu part I didn't even consider. So that was very good. But it'll be uh, it'll be weird. It just P- Ash never gets to grow old. But this <laughs> certainly makes me feel old. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. A little. A bit. little bit. Mm-hmm. This is the point in the podcast where I would put on the eighty-year-old man voice and start singing the Pokemon theme song, but I'm not going to. Do I that. want to be the very best. See, I'll do it. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> That's why y'all pass the torch, old man. 
It's mine now. (laughs) The future is now, old man. The future Uh, keeps going and going. Um, On the same anime front, not the same anime, but on the anime front, I went to go see my first uh, anime film in a big theater ever. Like, I've seen... We we posted, like, events and stuff for, you know, anime films and stuff, but this is the first time I've seen one on, like, official release. Um, I went to go see One Piece film Red, uh, which was, like, it it was good. It was fun. It was very music-based. It was very cool. Um, But I've never actually done the whole, like, yeah, we'll go see the actual official anime movie release for any series that, that oh actually wait no i guess that's a lie i watched pokemon back when i was a child i was going to say that too but i, don't know I feel counts. like it's a different experience i feel like it's a very different experience seeing like the pokemon movies yeah versus seeing like anime movies in theaters yeah like it's not that pokemon is an anime it very obviously is but it's a different But it's vibe. more mainstream. It's it's definitely more mainstream, so, yeah. right? Like everybody the everybody whether you're a Pokemon. Pokemon fan or you're an anime fan, you'll go see a Pokemon movie in theaters. Yeah. But if you if you present you like if you Pokemon present movies. like a like a One Piece movie which or is a huge a Love franchise Live movie, right? Like they're but huge, but if you present if you same. present even like those big mega franchises yeah. to like a regular North American audience, most people are not going to go see that in the theater, mm-hmm. and it's not really going to be a part of the and, and most people don't know what rotation of content. Is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I like, can tell you why. I can tell you why it feels different. Why? When we were going to see Pokemon, yes, it was huge. It was absolutely huge, but the movie releases weren't particularly different from any other movie releases. True. The only big difference from any other movie. Was there was swag involved? You got like a, a promo Pokemon card. You got a Heck Mewtwo. Yeah. Or you got the have, reverse Hollow I still have Ancient Mew. Same. I got nice. two of them. Uh, but other than that, it was the same as going to any other movie. Whereas I've seen a few different anime. When Dio and I went to see the Madoka Rebellion movie, uh, we got the really cool swag. We got the little poster boards. Mm-hmm. But it was one night. You got to go one night. Yeah, if you exactly. didn't go to that one or two showings, you, don't you get weren't to go. seeing it. You don't get to it go. wasn't yeah. it wasn't you had three mm. weeks to figure it out. You were going if you wanted to see it. And so you would be in line. You would find friends in line. You'd be like yeah. You're here. <gasps> I got the Sayaka board. Do you wanna trade it for the for the Kyoko board? And it becomes like a social experience and a movie experience and an event. It is an event. And so it's the same thing when Dio and I went to see Promare. We found 10 other friends. Like, we saw Austin there. And he was like, yeah, it's my third time seeing it. Uh, We saw other friends. And it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a different experience with, with anime movies. And that's what I mean when I say, like, you know, the theater usually doesn't put it in their regular rotation mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Versus, yeah. like, if you think about the Pokemon movies, the Pokemon movies are released for a general audience in, like, the regular theater rotation where it will be in the theater for, like, three weeks. Yeah. So with 
One Piece being the huge franchise that it is, it does have multiple showings over the course of I think like two weeks or something, which is again kind of rare for po- or for Pokemon movies, for anime, for movies. anime Extremely movies, rare for anime. Yeah, I will also say the feel like when you're saying the feeling is different. I don't think it's just because like oh I was a kid watching Pokemon. Like I said, everyone sort of knows what Pokemon is. I could ask my grandmother and she'd probably be like that yellow rat dude is Pokemon. I'm like that's <laughs> yeah. you're right. You know, like you're you're not rat. incorrect. At, you know. Whereas, like, if I ask her what one piece is, she's like, two English words that you put together, <laughs> you know. One um, piece? Yeah. Is that even real? So. <laughs> one piece uh, of what? Yeah. It's like, you want some cake? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like I said, it's first anime movie I've been to. Definitely the first as an adult. Kind of get that, like, when I was doing the Pokemon thing, it just felt like you were going to a movie. Doing the One Piece thing, I was just like, I'm being a weeb right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, you're uh, you're choosing there's the an weeb exclusive, life. There's an exclusivity energy to it. Was it subbed or dubbed? Uh, there are subbed and dubs um, that you can choose from for viewings, but we went to the Subbed show. and we dubbed for, we went for all tastes. But I will say that I was very curious what the dub would be. I've never seen an episode of... One Piece, like the current One Piece as a dub, other than like the old like the four kids, four kids. dubs, yeah. But oh God. with the me, but the real thing is that because this was a very music based movie, you, you wanted to enjoy the singing. Of gum, yeah, gum. I would have been interested to see what the English oh uh, lyrics would be if they took it that far. I assume they would. His name's Olo. He's like the samurai, and it L A D Y Nam. He's not shy. God, I'm, God, you, yo ho, yo ho. <laughs> I one piece. It's the name of so, the, on the grand line. <laughs> I hated that opening twenty years ago. I hated it so much, and, and these days it. I'm like, it is so bad that I can't help but. Love oh, it. absolutely! Wow, I troll people with it because it's so bad that I'm like, it's good. <laughs> It's real exactly. Good. That's that's me with the the, the old uh, German Naruto opening. Oh. German Naruto opening. I've never even I'm heard of Sakura, sure. the beautiful How are we friends? Sasuke. You haven't even sent me this. I'm not sure. Oh, I, well, I, I will send it to you Here afterwards. Here I stand with my ninja clan. Ninja clan. Here, Here we I stand. stand. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a I'm telling you, it's Naruto. I'm dying. Can you believe it? It Ooh. is Naruto. I'm Ooh. on my way. Naruto. Oh, it's so good. Oh. It's it's so something. I miss the I miss I miss the redubbed or like the 90s style. We're gonna do an anime opening, but we have no way no of idea. translating the song, so we're mm-hmm. just gonna make up a new song. I miss that <laughs> on one hand. I really miss it, but then there's like cases like Space Dandy. Where it's just better that they, they had instead of doing the opening, they instead did like a really cool narrator overview of it, and it's like, okay, that's great. He's a dandy guy in space on the hunt for aliens. But then Viva Namida was such an absolute ba, banger ba, ba, da, that it's like ba, da, yeah. six or seven years later, still on my playlist. Yeah, because it's just it. such a good song. Anyways, let's get back to One Piece. <sighs> so. Like I said, movie was really good. Uh, the night we had was really good because it was a group of us just going out, you know, kind of doing a, a movie friend night. It was really good. I have discovered a new restaurant that I think we should go to. Which is oh, really, yeah. 
It's um, it's right by. Seoul we all like eating on McLeod. It's called. It's another Korean place called Hambo. Mm. Um, okay. It's quite small. It is very popular. Like we got there at five for the opening, and the, yeah, it's a Saturday night, so of course it might be a little bit busier. But like people were literally waiting from the time. Like like we got in and got us got a table. Once all the tables were filled, there were still like just a bunch of people waiting to get seats. Like I don't mm-hmm. think they do resos. I didn't ask, but have a feeling they can't because it's too small. They do like uh, traditional Korean um, noodle soups. And they do like uh, uh, dumplings, and the dumplings are like the size of your—it's the size of a pokeball. <laughs> nice. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm there. Yeah, and they do like orders of six per. Like they're really tasty. Damn. Um, would recommend enough that you know to bring it up here. Definitely recommend. We should go. Honestly, having some good food before or after an anime movie, it just wraps up the whole event as something. Like a comfy dumpling wrapper. Yes. It's really good. It's really enjoyable. Yeah, I was saying that's I love meatballs, for example, but and and I love meatballs. But then if you put a meatball into a doughy little wrapper, mm, it's just next level. It's higher. It's elevated. Yeah. What is this? That sounds delicious. Something oh, no. that is. The, I'm not watching that. Right now. <laughs> yes, don't watch that now. Watch that later. But you, you'll appreciate that later. Uh huh. Something that should not be elevated to or the degree that it is mm-hmm. is AI generated art. Mm-hmm. Over God. the weekend, there was an instance at an American convention of an artist alley selling prints of AI generated art. And uh, the community was like, what is, hmm. like, why? Now, to be fair, that's not the complete representation. Not that Angela were trying to omit anything. It, was, it goes beyond that they were trying to sell prints. They were, they were not being, like, facetious about it. They were, they they were, were not being hiding. blatantly obvious that it was AI-generated because it, they had a, like, setup where essentially, you know, you got in and you would pick options like i would assume hair color pose art you, style you got to choose a prompt yeah. you got to make a prompt you so maybe a, a little background on on ai art and how ai works um in in a brief summary mm-hmm. so the way that ai art works is um, in the background, you have a, a large data set of art, which is you take um, a whole bunch of pictures of something. It can be a particular topic or subject or a mix or breadth of topics and subjects. Um, and you tag every single image in this data set with a bunch of metadata, things like hair color or background uh, color, color or mood yeah. or, you know, all kinds of all kinds of metadata. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this this what what happens with the AI is your your what your engine does is you provide it a prompt, which is, you know, a phrase or a list of words or even a paragraph. And what that prompt what that that AI engine does is from the prompt that you've put in, from this phrase that you've put in, it goes and it collects um, from all of the metadata 
um, uh, across um, the data set. Um, it puts together a bunch of, it takes, you know, pixels from A and pixels from B and pixels from B and C and puts them together um, in, in accordance to however the algorithm behind that AI engine is designed based on the prompt you've put in to put out a new image. And so what this what this uh, this exhibitor was doing was mm -hmm. they had their prompt engine set up and you could type in your prompt and it would uh, uh, put out spit out an image for you. So it wasn't as as Jay mentioned, it wasn't, you know, like a, hey, I've made a bunch of uh, AI fan art. And I'm not going to tell you that I made it with AI. Mm -hmm. It's, hey, I have set up a AI prompt engine and a printer and you can come and make your own. You can come use the prompt engine, and um, and and I will print it out. Print out the result for you. Mm -hmm. How many? How much were they charging? Uh, it looks like it was about five dollars for like a, a small a small print. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I don't think they were charging lots and lots. Um, part of the whole like an eight system, by seven. Print. They're literal like invitation to come try out the the ai system and and mm -hmm. generate your art was like there's a there's an image of of how they're doing their their advertising and it was just like 12 different red-haired uh female characters that are all sort of similar to each other but some of them are wearing for example like some have glasses actually i think all of them have glasses all of them have red hair so that's like the generic part but then, like, some of them are wearing, like, an Ava-type suit, plug suit. One of them is wearing, like, knight's armor. Another one is wearing, like, a yukata or a business suit or something like that. So you get an idea of sort of what they're trying to sell you. Their, their, their advertising was literally, which waifu speaks to you? Like, the, the yeah. core idea being, like, oh, Design I want, again, waifu. yeah, your, 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 your prompt that you wanted, it's like, well, I like girls with uh, green hair and an eye patch. And glasses. And, or yeah. like, you know, whatever it might be. Now, I will say that the idea is interesting. It's not, in a sense, it's not that far off from going to ask someone for a commission because you tell them what you want, right? Mm -hmm. The difference here is that you are literally taking the work of other people. Now, one could argue that an artist... Any human artist takes from other artists because we are. We, in a we, sense, we, yes. we, we, we take we 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 take we take in inspiration. We, are, we yes, learn influences. We're like, I really like how that person draws eyes. I'd like to design uh, something similar in my own way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I like the way that they draw hands. I like the way this art style speaks to me. I want to imitate it a little bit more. But that's not the same thing as, as saying, literally taking this the is pixels. an established piece of art and then just taking from them to create new art. New is a very rough term. Uh, I, I, I understand exactly what Jay is saying. Yeah. And, and I agree with it, which it's is a weird there is a big difference. Mutation. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a calculated mutation. It's looking, it's you, a, a, an artist, looking at a piece of art that you like, being inspired by it and learning, you know, the muscle memory by hand, how to draw something like it or draw something similar versus with AI, you are quite literally copying and pasting the exact pixel orientation. Like it, mm -hmm. it is a it is a one for one replication of, of bits and pieces across 
hundreds of thousands of pieces of art. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about it that's really interesting is, you know, the the sort of like the base sort of frustration a lot of artists have with AI is is the copyright of of their individual works, right? Because you when your art is scraped into these large data sets that mm-hmm. teach the AI, um, mm-hmm. you don't really have an option to disinclude your work mm-hmm. um, and thus disinclude your style. Um, and, and you don't really have a way to opt out. But what's yeah. even more hilarious and, and something I just realized is um, the way that these AI engines work, like they are developed by people. And 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 a lot of it, what's what's starting to emerge now is the people who develop the AIs are now claiming ownership of their AIs, um, right. or of the work that the AI produces. Or, you mean yeah. no, not or, of the work that the AI produces. They not the work, but of the engine itself. Of the process, yeah. Of the process, okay. and so what's really interesting is now this is. Some so in the in the case of this exhibitor, this is now someone who like the art is not theirs, the base art is not theirs, and the engine isn't theirs. So and they're charging for it. Mm. So you're you 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 end up where now you end up in a kind of really funny catch twenty two where now two completely separate interests um, might not be. Uh, from two separate interests from two different sides of the board now might not be interested in your commercial stake mm-hmm. um, and, and your that commercial you could product. Have, like, yeah, face liability over it. I, uh, the, <laughs> I will say for anyone who's like interested in this, like it's funny to see the imperfections as well in the art because it definitely is. I love like, I love looking at the hands. Watched AI yeah, art yeah. is some weird. of the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah. It's so fun hands to look are, at. Are it really one. is. It, it's funny because like in the sense that one of the biggest things that I'm sure a lot of human artists come across, they're like hands. They struggle with hands. Draw. We're, we're we're all like, what is thumb? Well, where do pinky go? <laughs> but then it's to think that like in an uh, AI struggles an AI with the struggles same with the same, even though they have like you know, hundreds of thousands potentially of, you know, data set of what a hand looks like, there still be like six fingers? <laughs> six fingers? <laughs> you know? No fingers? Or like, or like a club trouble, foot hand thing. <laughs> the trouble with AI is that it doesn't understand anatomy. True. It just Hands understands that these pixels together are considered what might be an eye. Yeah. Indeed. The hilarious things. Uh, VTuber Ameridog about a month or a month and a half back, posted a cursed piece of AI art that they were playing with, Uh where you can tell what the AI was doing. Uh, That was while the meme of the really busty Victorian ladies was going around with the AI art. And so it had a huge pair of boobs, (laughs) and the AI somehow figured out, or thought, oh, that looks like the thighs and the crotch region, so we have to make the torso on top of that. And obviously you have the boobs and the face above it. So you had a lady who was perfectly stacked, had a torso connected to shoulders and boobs and everything. And it was like some human centipede of lewd garbage. And it was like, what? That sounds horrific. If this was like, we always talk about AI in a sense, it's like, well, maybe one day the singularity will happen and we'll become like self-aware. So like part of me is thinking at a very base level that like that singularity's already happened, but it doesn't like have full like capability. So it's just like, 
maybe human will like this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. human, human yeah. like chest. If human. I make many chests, maybe yeah. human like it. Yeah. It's like seeking validation for its existence. Like, <laughs> did I do good? Did I do good, master? It's like Igor a little bit, where it's like, Part you of- like this? <laughs> Part of proper like AI training though is actually giving feedback on what yeah. its resultant generated uh, data is, yes. whatever that data yeah. is, and like, yeah, that's kind of how I see it, Jay. It's like this right? little this little child who just it's, wants it's like, validation. Papa, on what yeah, yeah. Did, I did I do good? good? You know what's this actually one? Can this macaroni that? art go on the fridge, please? An AI art generator can actually get broken because of that mm. if you generate too much of the same thing and be like yes i want that they learn they actually do learn based on what the taken result is right and they can get pigeonholed in that result very quickly where they just can so only draw true, one thing an ai that's only generating waifus it will never eventually it will come to a point where it's only able to generate one waifu or one pose or right. it's a no husbandos of, at all. It's a process of refinement is basically what it is. Yes. It's funny because yeah. I am way more sympathizing with a piece of code right now than I am with any of the people, <laughs> people. that are like involved in it. But <laughs> that's I because can't it's get out funny. of my head. It's literally just please, please like what I made. <laughs> it just reminds me of that time Microsoft made like a Twitter bot and the internet just taught it how to be a Racist. horrible, horrible oh. piece of garbage. Yes, like, they did. I, and and Microsoft was oh like, hmm, maybe no. this was a mistake. This and every mistake. time it happens, it happens. It, they've tried that like two or three more times since. And the result is always the same. Yeah. Oh. But the fun thing about data science is there is a very hard balance to strike so if you if you have two lip like if you say if you're if your list of trainers or people qualified to train the ai is too limited uh mm. you end up with a data set that is too biased right. and thus is useless for the general population yeah. but if you let the general population uh teach your ai you end up with something that is too Monstrous. broad and typically monstrously terrible so it is also useless oh what is that law of forums what is that law of forums where it's uh any discussion on a forum oh no will eventually trend towards no we're not going there (laughs) is there is there a comparison for ai it's like if you release an ai onto the internet how long will it take to become a racist well, okay, but the, the thing longer is, is an that, AI is on the race, it, uh, like, is on the internet. AI its chance of racism approaches one. Oh, AI God. systems are supposed to be really specialized. Like you have a literal yes, exactly. AI that is taught how to identify like specific kinds of leaves to to know what yes. kind of bushes or trees this comes from. That's, that's exactly their like, their entire. The way they're their built. entire purpose is, and I think that's the it's thing that a lot of people aren't, aren't don't understand is that AI, like a, a lot of people, you know, Jay talks about like, oh, it would be nice, you know, it's are we hitting the singularity where they're sentient? The true answer is no, no because no. AI are they're they're intended to be very highly specialized mm-hmm. trained tasks, and mm-hmm. so the problem is drawing a 
a piece of art is not a very specialized, limited, singular task. No. The, similarly, being like a chatbot and talking to people is also not a very limited, singular task. And that's why these things quickly tend to go haywire and go all over the place because... They just have it's, no it, boundaries. You have no respect. boundaries, and so they just become overloaded with information. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you get uh, anime booby centipede ladies. Yeah. And you get wonky, scary, you know, void art and and yeah. people with no hands and, and all kinds of funky things. Just to, just to follow up on all of this, maybe to finish up here um so there's an artist that i follow on twitter wow everything's coming together um it really is is who who recently spoke up about her art being used in ai generated um work Mm. and she she has a very unique style i'm sure you all know who she is, if I mention the name, which is Sarah C. Anderson. She does like yeah, the black of course. and white, yeah, little very cute mini comics, comics, yeah, um, a lot of like a slice of life type kind of content almost. Mm-hmm. And like she spoke up up about it because obviously her art, she found that her art has been being used and like they're generating similar content because of it without ever asking her about it. She couldn't opt out, and. It's really interesting to me because we talk about like oh you know the anime waifus with like you know the 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 general characteristics of general uh, of anime waifus, but then you have somebody who has such a very uh, unique style that she's known for, and that's being the thi- like that's the thing that's being taken and replicated. That's pretty disappointing. I ha- I would have to think. Because- well, and and that's been a continual problem with yeah. AI art is. Again, because they're really good at highly specialized tasks, Mm -hmm. um, they're really good at if you feed it a prompt of a specific artist, um, you can start to approximate that artist's style very handedly. And Mm -hmm. that has been not just a problem with Sarah's art, but with a lot of very prominent artists who have very distinct styles of painting or coloring Mm -hmm. um and the fact that they're not able to opt out and then you have people bombarding them with see i can make your stuff that takes you hours i can do it in 10 minutes because Mm -hmm. i've scraped your entire artist exactly two properties there are exactly two properties where it is not only morally correct and ethically correct to uh use ai art to continue the series I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, people behind the series are already doing it. And that is Dilbert and Garfield. I was just going to mention the Garfield without Garfield comics because... Garfield without Garfield is a trip. It is. I feel like... I feel like Garfield could continue indefinitely. You wouldn't even need AI for the art. You would only need AI for the text. Yeah. And you could just take existing panels wipe out the 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 words and then just pick and have the ai pick and choose the panels and the mm-hmm. text and infinitely produce more garfield till the end of time and no one would notice no one would sure. know that it's changed dilbert would be a little bit more difficult but uh i wouldn't be surprised 
Mm-hmm. Would you notice if I had been replaced by a Nancy AI that just yes. talks on, 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 podcast? on? Yes, I would notice. I would Good notice. Goodbye. 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 The simulation. The simulation. The simulation. Is that why her webcam is Goodbye. low resolution? Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.